Lamping here, PHRA's Executive Director. Welcome to P4, People, Purpose, Passion, Pittsburgh. P4 is brought to you by our members and sponsors, Latitude and the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. We appreciate their support and we will hear from them throughout the podcast, beginning with the University of Pittsburgh Executive MBA Programs and Center for Executive Education. Especially in times of uncertainty and challenge, America needs exceptional leaders to guide our healthcare institutions. The highly ranked executive MBA in healthcare at the Joseph M. Katz Graduate School of Business at the University of Pittsburgh is designed to empower and enable leaders to think critically, make informed decisions, and inspire confidence. Forge your path into healthcare innovation by visiting business.pit.edu slash EMBA healthcare. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the PHRA P4 podcast. My name is Corey Amos, or a poor man's Pete Schramm is what I'm going to be today, what I'm often called, actually. My name's Corey. I'm a former past president of the PHRA, and I'm here to guest host the podcast to do something a little special. We want to get to know our board of directors a little bit more to find out who they are, what do they do, what makes them tick, and why they're so special. Today, I have with me Jill Porter-Scott and Dylan Jenkins. Hi, everybody, and welcome. Hello. Hello. Let's start with Jill. We're going to start really easy. Jill, what do you do for a living? Where do you work? What's your title? What do you do? Sure. So I'm the director of PeopleX at Ayers. Ayers is a global relocation company. And so I manage all of the human resources and the team that work underneath this to help support this big group of, of folks here at, at Ayers. Amazing. How many employees there? Um, over 700. I think we're around 715 now at this point. Big group. company. So Amazing. Okay. Thank you, Jill. Dylan, try to top that. Dylan, yes, where do you work? What do you do? Yeah. So I'm the vice president of the uh, benefits department of a benefit architect here. Um, so I help businesses uh, reduce claims uh, exposure uh, and come up with innovative solutions to make coverage more affordable uh, for their employees. Uh, Liberty it's one of the last standing privately held uh, insurance brokerages in Pittsburgh. Uh, we have about 100 employees, but uh, we're in our third, excuse me, third generation uh, of ownership. So not 700 employees, but maybe we'll be there someday. Yeah. Maybe someday. You say benefit architect, and that almost sounds like a cover for a supervillain. What does a benefit <laughs> architect do? Yeah. So so I go in, uh, I, I identify, you know, where they're claims are going, uh, dependent on the group size. Um, without getting into the weeds, uh, once you reach a certain headcount, the claims the employees incur on your group health insurance plan, depending what type of plan you have, uh, will have an effect on your renewal. Uh, a lot of folks in the Pittsburgh area do not really have a super consultative approach like myself, or at least I'd like to think. Uh, and, you know, I go in and I really identify, you know, whether their employees are utilizing hospitals or uh, really mm. being true consumers. Uh, to their health plan, uh, because at the end of the year, when they get handed what I call the scorecard or their renewal, and it's a high percentage, uh, looking back on the things that we did or they did over the course of that year, did we play the game effectively uh, to really minimize that renewal percentage uh, that they're going to get cool. from the carrier? But yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not a super, not a cover for a supervillain. <laughs> Got it. So I'm going to stick with Dylan for one second. Dylan, what is your role on the PHRA right now? Are you a committee chair? Are you a board of yeah. director? What's your what's your job at the PHRA? Yeah, so I am uh, a committee chair. 
that does have a, a seat at the board of director table. Uh, I run the LPD committee. So I help, uh, or I should say, uh, I, I'm pretty much the poster face. Liz and Catherine, they really do all the work, uh, but they uh, ask me to really facilitate the conversations for what would be interesting uh, to bring uh, from an educational standpoint to our members uh, to help folks like Jill and other uh, HR professionals uh, for trending topics that they want to get more information on. Uh, That's interesting. And whenever we survey our, our members and we try to figure out why do you have a membership with the PHRA? What makes it valuable to you? There are two things that always lead and they are networking as in, I want to meet other people who are going through the same things that I'm going through and education. So LPD, learning and professional development. I want to know something that I don't know now, or I want to enrich my knowledge on something that is constantly changing or somewhere that I don't feel as confident. So the LPD committee is essential. And one of the main reasons and one of the most amazing services that P that the PHRI provides their, uh, our membership. Okay, Jill, when it comes to the PHRA, what is your role and what do you do for the PHRA? Sure. So I'm actually also with Dylan on the learning professional development committee and also on the membership committee. And then I have been a board member now for a few years and have enjoyed getting to uh, understand more about the, the the inner workings of the of the uh, PHRA and everything that magic that Liz does with just this little group of of people. Like I'm constantly amazed. I was amazed before I became sort of in the know more. Um, all that was done, and now having been seeing it firsthand, it's it's just always so shocking to me that we get as much done as we do, and and how hard everyone works to do that. Whether it's our board members or Liz and, and everyone there at the PHRA. Um, and then also this year, I'll be coming on as the secretary for, for the PHRA as well. Nice. So that's an executive committee position being the secretary. So our board of directors really, they govern the PHRA in a way. And this is an interesting fact that I think a lot of people don't know is that the PHRA is one of the largest SHRM chapters in the United States. Did you know this? Mm -hmm. What? Thank God you did. I think I was like, <laughs> I don't know, pretty deep into my PHRA time when I learned this fact. And I was like, I think we should be shouting this from the rooftops. And really, it's just the consistency and the leadership. And we're talking about Liz, like she's not secretly listening to everything we're saying right now. Liz, we love you. We do. We, we, do. Sh yeah. we shout your praises. This was something, I think it was a few years in the before COVID time, one of the volunteer leader uh conferences that SHRM puts on where they were calculating like the total number of volunteer hours and what that equates to from a monetary perspective. You're just so everybody's really clear. No one's getting paid to volunteer for the PHRA. Jill is not paid. Dylan is not paid. I was not paid. There are full-time staff members. Great. But so much of the work gets done by volunteers. So Dylan, why are you giving up your time for free in this capitalist society that we live in? What is it about the PHRA? Like, what do you, why are you giving it up? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I first started at Liberty, the question I was asked was, you know, what is your network like? Uh, and I didn't even know how to spell network. Um, you know, my employer took a chance on me and you know, said, these are some different organizations that you can get familiar with. Uh, PHRA was not one of uh, the, the organizations he had on the list. Uh, I actually found it through uh, our host, Pete Schramm. Met Pete Schramm at a uh, different networking event uh, and had asked me if I had ever heard of the PHRA, uh, and I had not. And once I went to one of the events, I think it was, uh, and I'm going to butcher this name because I don't go, uh, 
there often. Necessary Winery, I think, was was the first okay. event that, that I went to. Um, I could be mistaken, but uh, but nonetheless, whatever event I went to, uh, I found that the culture here, you know, call it the leadership, call it the top-down leadership that we have, uh, was one where our members really care about one another, and, and they're all uh, here to um, expand not only their networks, but their business knowledge so that they can apply the practices or things that they learn from one another into uh, their field of work. Um, and that's really why uh, I, I really wanted to get involved with the PHRA is to build lifelong relationships um, with, with folks that are interested in expanding their careers or uh, better yeah. themselves. And so everyone is so willing, this goes from the membership level to the leadership level, but one of the things I was struck by the first conference I ever went to at the PHRA, I sat and I was just a little baby and I sat down at this table with all of these people who were more, I thought everyone here is smarter than I am. Everybody here knows more than I do. And I asked a question. There was just sort of a conversation going on. And I was like, well, how do you deal with that? Just yeah. And everybody just threw out their business cards and said, call me anytime, ask me any questions. And they were so willing to share their knowledge in a way that I didn't know that as like, oh, I didn't know this happens. I didn't know this is a thing. So yeah, the, the, the knowledge the, share. The membership um, to be sounding boards for, for yes. one another. Um, it, it has been very um, refreshing to, to see because a lot of the other yes. organizations, uh, I also sit on the board of, of another organization. Um, it, it's not really like that. Uh, I actually take a lot of the things that we learn from PHRA or, or of the board meetings that we have, and I try to apply to the other board, like, hey, this might be a good idea. They yeah. don't got the secret sauce. Well, don't mention them, but we'll just acknowledge that <laughs> yeah. whoever you are, you're not on our level, but you could be someday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jill, do you find, especially being an HR practitioner, that you call on your PHRA network a lot to, to be that sounding board or to even sometimes to find the right resources or vendors, how do you utilize the PHRA as a practitioner? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the network is, is so critical. I mean, I think, you know, I, I fell in, I didn't fall into HR. I chose to go into HR after about seven years in a different career. So I came in not knowing much about human resources, but just knowing I really wanted to get involved in um, I always just feel like if you can help, you should. And so I wanted to be able to help our employees. And, and so, um, but I had no, I had no knowledge. And so if it weren't for some key folks, some key employee relations lawyers, some key um, network, you know, some consultants that I happened to bump into, I, I wouldn't have been as successful. And so I still, I mean, it's just different things when you're coming in as an entry level versus whenever you're at a director VP level, you, you still need the the network to be able for, to have some sanity check to, um, you know, have, have someone to, you know, guide you through something that maybe you haven't done before. So for sure, I use our, our network to understand, um, you know, what resources are out there at the different levels and how I can help. And now it's just also about just growing my team in the same yeah. regard. I have some folks who are new to HR on my team and just kind of, you know, politely shoving them towards the, <laughs> to the conferences and to, uh, you know, making their network and connections and understanding the value of it. And, um, so it, in my mind, it's, you know, it's your, your, you receive so much from PHRA and the knowledge and the, the, you know, the, the webinars and all the in-persons, um, but you have to give back just as much. And so I think that's really, really critical. It's a give and take relationship. So definitely. Jill, are you saying here while we are recording that directors and VPs don't know everything? 
I don't know if we're ready for the public to yeah. really know yeah. that. <gasps> there's there's a lot of honesty that comes out of my mouth and I'm not a I'm not ashamed. <laughs> I'm not afraid. No. Mm-mm. We don't know everything. We mm-hmm. don't, but we know a lot. But we don't know everything. Mm-hmm. I love what you said too. This was something that I used to say a lot was you you shouldn't just you can be, but you really shouldn't just be a consumer of the PHRA, you should be a contributor. And by the way, everybody's capacity is different, right? You could just, maybe it's one opportunity you have to to give back and maybe it's not in a super visible way, but if you really wanna be fully ingrained in your profession, I think you've gotta do both. You've gotta consume and you've gotta contribute. So what is it about you, Jill, that makes you like acknowledge that to say like, yeah, I'm getting so much, so I need to give back, is that, why you give your time away for free to the PHRA? Yeah. I mean, just in general life, I just feel like you should always help if you can, you know, so whether it's, you know, at my daughter's school or donating, um, you know, whatever I can to contribute to something, you know, I mean, whatever it is, I just feel like you, you should give, I mean, I I don't, otherwise I'm not sure what we're all doing. Right. Like we're just like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, so I think it's really important that, you know, I want my daughter to be able to see the, the investment in things and, and that that's what we believe in and we do, and we do that professionally, we do that personally. So, um, I just think the contributions is just so critical. And, and also with Pittsburgh being so small, I mean, the, mm-hmm. it's just even more important, you know, because yes. there's, there's only, there's only so many places to work here. There's only so many, um, uh-huh. you know, opportunities and, and especially when it comes to HR, you start getting kind of smaller and smaller in this little space. <laughs> and so you just really, you know, you should, you should just be that you should, you know, you should just do, you should do if you can. Mm-hmm. You, know? if you should do if you can. And by the way, it always comes back net positive. 100 it might take time you might not see some immediate return or something like that but the net is always positive and it's interesting saying like I want to be an I want my daughter to see like to see what I'm doing both personally and professionally that if I can do if I can help I will Mm -hmm. and I know Dylan's a new dad (laughs) Dylan how does that hit Uh, you uh I haven't broken stride. No, I'd be lying <laughs> if I said that. Uh, no, yeah, it, it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, you know, my daughter's five months, going to be six months here uh, in the next couple of days. Um, actually, tomorrow, Tuesday. But uh, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, the every baby's different. You know, some babies that sleep through the night out of the gate, and then you have other babies that it takes, you know, months and months and months. Um, I think she's very chill. Uh, I kind of have to give all the credit to my wife. Um, she working full-time uh and she's also the times that she's not working she's a labor and delivery nurse as, as funny as that is um so she'll work three days a week the days that she's not working uh she'll really you know lead the the, the child care side of things but you know some daycare two days a week but um but yeah it, it's definitely added a a new complexity an element a new element, an element to things exactly. a new mm-hmm. and this actually brings up an interesting point because we're seeing what we're seeing right now as far as the research around Millennial and Younger Dads, the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act, the PUMP Act, all of these different things, increase in benefits of parental leave. When it comes to benefits that align with becoming a new parent, what are you seeing in your organizations or within your network? What kind of trends are you seeing there? Yeah, so I'm seeing a lot of organizations like folks like Jill, folks like yourself, Corey, they're coming to me, they're asking, you know, what can we do to enhance these benefits? And and a lot of it kind of ties to the disability policies they have, their short-term disability policies for mothers. But uh, it's really, I'm getting questions a lot about paternal leave. You know, what are other companies Mm -hmm. doing? 
from a from a father's standpoint. You know, I will share with you, Liberty. Um, it was funny. I did a one on one with my boss and he was like, so uh, your wife's due what, like in a month or something? And I said, yeah. And he said, what do you want to do for for uh, paternal leave? And I was like, I, I had no idea. I was going to ask you this question, you know, for, for our one on one. So, um, you know, our, our uh, uh, approach to it is very flexible, but that's just because of my role, whereas um, you know, yeah. role in the HR space. Um, you know, it has to be defined. It has to be maybe in your summary uh, benefits or plan document, uh, your your employee handbook, or wherever you're going to call upon yeah. for that information. But I'm seeing a lot of folks are doing, you know, at least two weeks for for fathers. Um, some even more than that. Uh, one company does. I think one of my clients is four months uh, for for new fathers. But um, but yeah, it, it's really all over the board. But that's where you know our consulting team, my team, comes to the table and says, listen, these are what other um, uh, jobs or not jobs, excuse me. These are what other uh, industries are doing, uh, whether they're specific to you or not. Uh, if you want more tailored, uh, you know, here is a, a small subgroup of companies that are very like minded, like yours, uh, yeah. same industry, same geographic location. This is what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, it's more just a a, yeah. a a discussion. And we'll see too in the future, like I'm seeing a lot of trends around like adoption benefits and things like that. Jill, you, in your reading, your time, your newsfeed or your organization, are you seeing any particular trends in this total kind of like becoming a parent space? Like both, le- both like from a statute perspective and a trend perspective, this is, I think, going to be important over the next couple of years. Sure. And I think it was only escalated um by COVID, you know, just, just the, the, the world changed so much around what flexibility looked like, what work-life balance looked like. And then as we're trying to come out of, and to say that we're still coming out of COVID, but really, I mean, organizations are just now really starting to require the return to office and multiple days a week. And so that's, again, um, having to challenge just what, what we're expecting of our parents you know, our employees yeah. or parents to do and and have that flexibility and some of us have always managed with flexibility around kids some of us have always understood what that was um others haven't and so i think it's it's had to you know really kind of force companies to address it uh, because the the concerns the employees have are valid or real you know i mean it's it's yeah, about yeah. Uh, productivity. It's about, you know, you're making me come to an office that I'm going to sit in an hour one way to drive to only to end up having to leave at whatever time because I have to get back across town to, you know, pick up my child. So how productive am I really being on those few hours when I could be at home? I mean, these are these are really valid points that employees mm, have. And, really good and if you care about your employees and, and their work-life balance, and I'd like to think that most companies do, um, then, you know, you want to hear them with an open mind and think like, okay, how, how can we do this? You know, we, what's possible, you know, mm-hmm. what, let's really yeah. think about like what is possible and thinking like every hour here is a deduction here. And how can I figure this out for my life? Okay. I could talk to you both until, 5 p.m. today. We could literally go on and on and on. But I do, we do need to close. I do want to ask you one sort of just get to know you question. And maybe it's because I'm hungry, but what is your last meal? If you had to think like, what is my cheat meal or my last meal? What is a meal that you can think like, that would be amazing. That would be my last meal or my cheat meal. I'll go first. I'll, I'll, I'll prime it. I think chicken parm. I think a classic chicken parm. Wow, I got to deal with the heartburn right before. It's uh, fine. I'll just take the tums ahead of time. <laughs> I'll pre. I'll, I'll just pre-tums. prime the pump. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll pre. I'll pre tums. Pre game some tums. 
chicken parm. What Dylan, I think you got an answer ready. What's I, your yeah, I, don't know, I don't know why. I don't know why mine came right, right to my mind as soon as you asked this question. It's like I was waiting for it. Um, and this is not one of the things we have written down. So my last no. one, I think it would be a tomahawk steak or some sort of like lamb chop. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then followed by something super rich, like chocolatey rich. Okay. Um, and then the axe. That's what I would. That's it. That's okay, bye everybody. It was great. Yep. I loved this meal. Thank you so much, <laughs> Jill. What are you eating for that delicious last meal? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I there's not much food that I dislike. So uh, there's <laughs> so a buffet, just like a yeah, buffet. Yeah, I tell you what. I what I wish I could have, like if I could, like magically make it happen, is mom's apple pie. Like oh. that's mom's apple pie. That would be she. She passed a few years ago, and like I can make her apple pie but it's just not quite as good there's so like a component there's a there's a secret ingredient yeah yeah so that's that's what i think about a lot i think about that mom's apple pie for sure so mom's if i could make magic time. happen that's it wonderful well thank you both so much for your time i'm hoping that we got rid of a, at least a little bit of any of that stranger danger our members feel uh or may feel about our board of directors and so i thank you so much for your time thank you for listening those who are listening and have a great day people do matter and at the end of the day we cannot get any work done if we don't have the right people in place are your people connected latitude is the one-stop shop people connection software platform our software workshops and programming facilitate new employee onboarding manager 101s stay interviews mentorship programs and peer networking to increase retention, engagement, satisfaction, productivity, profitability, and happiness. Imagine a technology that intersects your calendar with LinkedIn, Zoom, Google Docs, and your CRM. Contact Latitude today to schedule a conversation. The PHRA P4 podcast was created to help build HR readers through discussions with thought and business leaders on the most critical success factor of any business, its people. If you enjoy an episode, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast and providing us a rating. We would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode, tag PHRA, and share it with your followers. Until next time, thank you.